He's here. He's here every week. We host his presence right here every week. And you take his presence with you from here everywhere you go. Every week. This is where we live at. This is the culture we live in now that we host the presence of God. It's not going to be a good service, a bad service, an okay service. Every service is going to be filled with the presence of God. And if, you, if we have any, any, any children, they're welcome to go on back now to back to our Impact Kids and have a wonderful time back there with Pastor Grayson. And we're excited about that. Man, I am so excited. I, because of all the, everything that's been happening since January and all the revival that we've been having here, I have been so excited, so pumped up. I'm living in a state of expectation saying, God, what are you going to do next? What are you going to speak to me? I have gotten to a place where I personally, as your pastor, have completed. Remember I said complete stuff so new beginnings can come? I have completed so much. I feel freer than I, have, I haven't ever in my life. I have, I have still had, and God is constantly showing me things. You didn't let this go yet. You didn't let this go yet. And I am bound and determined to walk in a place with God that, that I am free. Okay. Now, the enemy may try to come and, and I'll call situations of trials and tribulation, but I am walking in freedom. And I believe you are too. And if you're not, you will. Because you're connected to this. And when, when we're all connected, we're all family, it flows into bloodline. So freedom is here for you. And I'm believing that. And, and I, I, I'm gonna, I was, like I said, I was already so excited. I went to the, the, the uh, Kingdom Impact Executive Staff Retreat this past week, um, Wednesday through Saturday night. And uh, I was like, I'm going to go down there, and I'm just going to stay excited, and I'm just going to be pumped up. I'm going to tell everybody all the great things. And, man, God just met us there. Um, Keith and Michelle Duncan were there. Well, they've joined the Impact Kingdom Impact executive staff. And so I'm so excited about that. And uh, I just elevated. We spent time praying, seeking God, and crying, and worshiping, and on our face, and having fun and laughter. Such a wonderful time. And, uh, man, I am just more pumped up than I was, and I didn't know I could get much more pumped up. So, geez. So, and then today I'm talking about igniting passion. I don't need to be ignited anymore. So, but I, I, but I don't mind, Lord, <laughs> send a fire. I'm okay with it. So God is doing some incredible stuff. And I, I, if I shared with you the stuff he's doing in the spirit, you wouldn't believe me. And if I shared with you the stuff that we're, going, we're, that we're going to do as a church, you wouldn't believe me either. But it's okay. You just hang on for the ride. And you'll get, when we get there, you'll be like, oh, look at this. Praise God. So I want you to live in that expectation. And I want you every day to say, God, speak to me. Speak to me. Help me. Okay? Amen. Amen. If we could just turn, turn my, my, my pads down a little bit in these and maybe more right here if we could. Okay. Let's see here. So reigniting passion. Reigniting passion. Jesus was passionate about doing what God sent him to do. John chapter 17, verse 18, it says, In the same way you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. Okay? So, so Jesus said, Lord God, the same mission that you gave me, I give to them. So the exact same thing of why Jesus was here on earth to preach the good news, to come to serve others, to love others. He's saying, that's what I came to do. And now I give you that same mission. That's our job, to do what Jesus Christ did, walk around, to set free, deliver, and heal you know, lead people to Christ and, and, and help people understand the gospel, the good news, and what else going on there, and, and, and to everyone. And we need to match, you know, okay, I would say match his passion, but, you know, today's generation, you, you know, you heard, oh, I'm going to match your energy. I'm going to match your energy. You know what I'm saying? That's his passion. It's, it's still talking about passion, right? And so we need to match his energy, match his, match his passion 
um, with, with uh, the same passion that he had as he went around. He was very passionate about it. He was an humble man. At times, he was a quiet man. But he was passionately quiet, even when he was quiet. In his quietness, he still spoke volumes. Paul was passionate about persecuting Christians until he saw the light. And I'm talking about the literal light. That light shone down from heaven and blinded him, right? Okay, and so he saw the light and it changed his passion. He was passionate about persecuting and killing Christians. And then all of a sudden, he was passionate about changing his life and leading people to Christ. And I, I, I'm not, I think I mentioned this sometime in another message, but can you imagine one day he's out killing Christians and the next day he's like, oh, it's okay, I'm saved now. If you were a Christian, would you believe that? No. you got to show me something. I, I, I'm still hiding from you, bro. I'm going to hide. You know, I'm not going to look at you because I don't trust you yet. Right? But Paul's like, oh, just wait. You will. Because I've been radically changed. And you're going to see a change in me. Acts 20 and 24 says, what matters the most is to finish what God started. The job the master gave me of letting everyone know that I meet all about the incredible, extravagant generosity or grace of God. If God showed extravagant grace or extravagant generosity to anybody, it was definitely Paul. Someone, like I said, that went around killing and persecuting Christians. And he said, I love you so much. I want you for me, for, to be mine. I want you to accept me in your heart, and I want you to live this life that I've created for you. 2 Timothy 1 and 6 says, Fan the flames, the spiritual gift, or the special gift of ministry God gave you. Keep that ablaze. That God didn't give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Timothy was only 20 years old and had a church of 10,000 people. That's passion. We all need to pray that. That God fans the flames of the spiritual gift in us. That he keeps it ablaze. Lord, right now, in this room, let's pray right now. Lord, fan the flame of the spiritual gift that you've given me, Lord. Keep it ablaze, Lord. Don't let it ever die out, Father. Fan the flames in this room of everybody in here that you've given gifts to and they're not using them, Father. Fan that flame and let it be ablaze in the name of Jesus. We cannot be content with yesterday's blessings or achievements. we got to blow that, that coal and keep that fire going. See, last, last week's blessings is over. Last, the last revival is over. The fast is over. Today's a new day. That was wonderful while it lasted. Last week was incredible. The week before was just phenomenal. But you know what? Today's a new day. I need a new touch. I need new fire. I need fresh manna. I need, you know, you can say, oh, well, I, ate, I ate last week. But that's gone now. That's not been digested, right? So same way with the Spirit of God. Got that, what you had before, yes, it can sustain you for a little while. The peace of God will always sustain you. But, but the, the fire of God, you want to constantly ask God to keep that moving in you and growing in you and keep it hot and ablaze. So every time, matter of fact, not just every Sunday. You know, well, I ate last Sunday. I shouldn't be hungry for a week. No, if you're hungry for God, you need to eat every single day of the Lord. Every single day, you've got to say, God, Lord, I'm not enough unless you come today. Put somebody in my path for me to minister to. Put somebody in my path for me to share my testimony with. God, help me today be more bold. You know, and I'm tired of people saying, well, I'm just kind of shy. Well, look, you, you got friends, and your friends listen to you. And I've seen people that were shy around their friends. They ain't shy, are they? Then, then testify to your friend. 
And then ask God for boldness to, to, to minister to those people outside of that. And the more you try that, see, what it's all about is fear. I'm shy. I'm scared to talk to anybody else. And then that's rooted in insecurity. Because I was there a while back, you know, and, and you get insecure and you don't want to talk to nobody else. You don't want to share with nobody else because you're scared. They're going to judge you. They're going to look at you. They're going to know your past. They're going to know all this kind of stuff. And we got to get to the place where we're just like, you know what? I just don't care. I don't care. Yesterday's success sometimes is the greatest hindrance to, to, to tomorrow, tomorrow's success. Well, I got it last week, man. I, I'm out, you know, we, 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 have this, we have these big situations in our lives, and we have these, you know, we have big, big uh, successions. We have a big event. We had a funnel cake festival. We had a, you know, warm hands and feet. We had a big event. We had our anniversary. And then everybody drops their guard, and they're like, that's over. That was a success. And we think that success is just going to just keep us going until the next big thing. But the thing is, is we can't let yesterday's success, yesterday's excitement, Stop and hinder us from being and having the same excitement today. Today is a new day. And today God wants to give you more. Spiritual food is not like, is not like physical food. It's physical food we can eat. I ate so much when I was out of town. The next day I don't think I ate anything till, till late the next night. I was like, a, I'm just going to call it a, a fast or something. Maybe, you know, just something <laughs> You know, but I know, but, but, uh, um, but, so, but the thing is, is that, that, I ate so much the, the previous days, the next day I wasn't even hungry. But when it comes to spiritual food, every single day you're hungry. If you're truly hungry for God, then you just can't get enough. And God's not going to stop giving you what you want. If you truly want God and you're ready to set yourself apart and say, God, I'm hungry for you. I want more of you. Then God will give it to you. But you've got to seek Him. Then you find Him. And he, the scripture says that he's walking, he's walking around the earth looking for someone to bless. So all we got to do is seek him and you can find him. Passion comes from, word, from the word entheos, which broken down as N-E-N-theos, T-H-E-O-S, which means God within. So someone who is enthusiastic or has enthusiasm, the base word of that, the Hebrew word of that is to have God within. So so we got to understand, you know, there's a lot of passionate people. Y'all know I'm passionate. People mistake my passion all the time for, for anger or whatever, you know, but I'm, I'm very passionate. You know, Pastor Kevin's very passionate. You know, when, we, and we, you know, when we're around somewhere, we're going to be passionate about whatever we're doing, right? You know, there's other people that are passionate. You know, the, the, the elf, you know, the Christmas elf, it, 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 uh, was, he's real passionate about candy and sugar plums and candy canes. The water boy is real passionate about, about you know, about being, you know, helping the football team with their water, you know. Mr. Loris is super passionate. You know, if you don't know, just go back and talk to her. Don't let her age fool you. She, she, she will show you up. But there's a lot of people in the Bible that were passionate. And I'm just going to name just a couple. David, one of my favorites. David and John, one of my greatest stories. Um, in 2 Samuel 6 and 14 and 16, it says, And David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of, of, of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, okay, he got, he, whenever he, he, he did all this stuff and he got, when he killed um, Goliath, he was awarded the daughter of Saul, the king. And um, he, was, he was awarded her as a, a wife. And it says, and she was up, it says, she looked down, she was in her window upstairs. He, the ark of the, of the covenant, the presence of God, at that time, that's where the presence of God dwelled, 
was coming down the road. He was out there dancing, worshiping like crazy. You know, I'm wearing a priestly garment because he was a priest. Okay, and then it says, but, but Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. Looked down from her window. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. Filled with contempt for him. Um, and one, one scripture even says disgust for him. See, now a lot of people say, and I even used to preach that, that he, danced, he danced naked. But what, it was, what he was really saying was he had an a, a ephod, you know, and priestly garments on. And he danced out of the ephod, which was in the front and the back. And, and he, he ended up looking just like a Levite, like an ordinary person. So he danced so much that he looked like everybody else. And Michael, his wife, was up, up top looking down at him, saying, look here, you, you've broken um, um, decorum. You've broken protocol. You look like everybody else. We're supposed to be high and mighty. We're supposed to be righteous. We're supposed to be, you're supposed to be kingly. You're supposed to be a priest. You're supposed to be somebody worth something. You live in the king's palace. See, and she's not used to having somebody. You know, she really almost may have just have a little contempt that she even had to marry him because she really wasn't happy with him. And so she looked down on him. And listen, whenever you have true passion for God, just know that people will look down on you. Your friends and your family and sometimes your spouse will look down on you because of the passion that you have for God, the excitement that you have. And you cannot allow that, that, that criticism by somebody else in your life, no matter who it is, family, friends, or, or, or foe, or enemy, stop that passion that's in your life. And it says in 2 Samuel 6 and 20, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. Okay, so now she's ticked off. She came down. She said, oh, no. So she came down. You're you embarrassing me. What she said, you were embarrassing me. She came down to meet him. She was in disgust. How distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any other vulgar person would do. Okay, so he, she came down there and said, you know, you are embarrassing me. You're embarrassing the kingdom. You're supposed to be this kingly priest, and here you are looking like everybody else around here. You're embarrassing me. Look what you're wearing, you know, and, 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 and the thing is, is people want to see you fall. Anytime you're doing anything good for God, whether it's you as an individual, pastors, or a church, other people want to see you fall. They want to see you struggle. Why? Because they're jealous and they're all about competition. A true man or woman of God says, yay, go team. That church is having revival. Praise God. Praise God. When every time, I don't care where they're at. If I see anywhere, someone says, so many people got saved in my church. I'm like, praise God Almighty. That's, that's incredible. Thank you. Praise God. Praise God. Because we're on the same team. It really, really bothers me deep within when I have other pastors and I see other pastors that get jealous of a church that really ignites, especially when you have a smaller church, there's really something happening, maybe something maybe not happening in a bigger church. They, you know, that's what happened through us first. Let's, we're on the same team. We're, I love you. You love me. I, I root for you. I pray for you. I, you know, I, I literally have told pastors before that, that I've had in my past that have, that have given me some grief. I said, let me just pray for you and you pray for me that our, both of our churches will succeed and that, 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 uh, that God will bring souls in, into our kingdom. I, it's been about five or six. I still ain't got a response from him, but maybe he's praying for me, really. So. But anyway, and so 2 Samuel 6.22 says, yes, I am willing to look even more foolish 
than this. Even to be humiliated in my own eyes, even if I humiliate myself, if I'm doing it because of my passion for God, I don't care. We've got to get over our pride that we care what people think about when we're worshiping God, whenever we're magnifying God, whenever we're out in the town at work and at the bar or whatever. If we feel led to stop and pray with somebody, somebody says, hey, can you pray for me? Grab hands. Even in, in, in school, pray for somebody in school. Grab their hands beside the locker. Pray for them. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about looking at it. When somebody says something, throwing your hands up in the mall and say, praise God. Scream it out. It's okay. we got to quit being so shy. Because you know what? Hell ain't being shy. I, somebody wrote up yesterday. I was, I was at, uh, at BJ's, BJ Floyd's uh, um, wedding rehearsal thing last night. And, and this big, huge old um, uh, limousine came up. It was big, massive. And, and, and all I could heard was blankety blank, 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 this, F this. Blank. I was like, good gosh, I'm just standing outside my car. I mean, they don't care. So why are we like, do you, do you mind if I praise God? Do you mind if I speak about Jesus? Do, do, you mind if I, do you mind if I say amen or God's been good? We're like a, we're like a bunch of little pansies, man. Come on. <laughs> we're, so, we're, we're weak. We're Christians and we're weak Christians. It's time for the, the people of God to man up and woman up and be bold. Because hell is bold. Matter of fact, how bold is it? I don't have it right here in front of me, but the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That bold. But God says, I come to bring life and life more abundantly. So we got to do that. I don't, we got to quit caring what people think about us. Who cares what they think? Or what can they do for you that God can't? Come on, man. We got, we got to understand that. Number two, blind Bart. Or blind Bartimaeus. I call him blind Bart. He's my friend. Okay. So he said, he said in, in, in Mark chapter 10, verses 47 through 49, it says, when, when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet. Oh, here they go, the haters. Be quiet. Many, many people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped. And said, tell him to come here. And so they yelled, they called you the blind man. And now all of a sudden, all of them got holy and spiritual. All of a sudden, when they realized that God had something to do with him and called him out. Oh, hallelujah. They said, here's what they said. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Let me walk you up there so I can be near him like you're going to be. All of a sudden, they want to jump on a bandwagon, right? He called, he drug that wagon all the way up the hill and everybody else wants to ride down. Right? So he screamed louder and said, God, he had, to, he had to get the attention of God. Number three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I think I spelled that wrong. Shad Reach? No, that's okay, good. On mine it says Shad Reach. I don't know. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were in the fiery furnace. Now listen here. Daniel chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. It says, if we are thrown into the, bur bur the burning furnace... They all said, you know, you got to bow down to the king at a certain time. And, he, and they said, if you don't bow down to the king, then we're going to be punished. And they're like, mm -mm, I, don't, I don't bow down to no king. I bow down to God. Okay? 
So it says, if we are thrown into the fiery furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. If he throws us in the furnace, we're going to be okay. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Okay, now here's where the boldness comes. But even if he doesn't, I want to make it clear to you, your majesty, I love how to keep saying your, your majesty, that he will, we will never serve your gods or worship the, God, the gold statue that you have set up. Regardless of the outcome, we ain't going to bow. We're going to serve God. It doesn't matter. God can save me or I might die. But if I die, I know where I'm going. So it does not matter. Peter, Matthew chapter 26 and 34. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter. This very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even know me. Now this is the same cat that, that walked on water. The only person beside Jesus in the whole Bible that got out of the boat, even though his friends were like, oh, come on, Peter, you're an idiot. No, you can't walk. He's Jesus. You can't walk on water. Jesus said, come. And he listened and obeyed God. He got out of the water and walked on water. He got on the boat and walked on water. This is the same guy that whenever all the disciples were around Jesus and, and or they all, pretty much most of them had fled, but when the, the enemy came to grab Jesus to arrest him, Peter was like, oh, no, homie. Bam! And just cut his ear off. Read it. Cut his ear off. No, don't mess with Jesus. No, 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 that ain't going to happen. And then Jesus like, Peter, come on, man. And Scripture says that he picked up, he picked up his ear and put it back on his, on his head. Blood gone. He totally healed him. Now, if I was that man that my ear would cut off on the floor, and, he, and, then, and then after he put my ear up and made it whole, and then they said arrest him, I'd be like, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, not me. <laughs> That cat, I just saw, uh, he got something that I don't know about. Ain't no way I'm going to arrest this cat, you know? No. But see, in verse 50, he cuts a man's ear off, defending God. 20, later, 20 verses later in verse 70, he denied Christ. But that passion. Ruth stood up for her whole entire, her whole entire kingdom, her people. She stood up for her people. Silas was in jail with Paul, and they stood up in there and didn't care what nobody thought. They worshipped and, and worshiped the shackles off their feet. Timothy, Noah, Moses, Job. But there are dangers to passion. If you're not taught and not mentored well in your passion, this can happen. We can get an attitude and show disrespect towards somebody or become very aggressive because we, we got the anointing on our life and we got this passion for God, and you don't know, you're living like the devil. You're going to go straight to hell if you don't change your life. And we start offending people like that. Is that true? Yeah, but that's not the way you do it. God came in love. And we need to come in love ourselves. And we can't get to the place where we're so passionate about something, and that's why i got to be careful about my passion, because some people think I'm mad at them. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not mad at them. I'm, just, I'm not mad, I'm just excited. And then sometimes we get so passionate like Peter did, we feel invincible. Oh, you can't, you can't see me. You know what I'm saying? You know, and, and so we, we, get, we, get, we get passionate like that, and we all of a sudden feel like we're invincible and that nobody can touch us, and that's when the enemy will take you out. Because, because we get so invincible feeling that we disconnect from God and we end up like Samson. Samson thought he owned the presence and power of God. 
And like I said last week, he laid in Delilah's lap, and he's got up, and he's like, oh, y'all want some of this? He grabbed, he grabbed the two things, getting ready to kill him, and he said he shook his head, he shook himself, and the Spirit of God had left him because he got too cocky with what, what the Spirit of God gave him. Also, if you're not careful in your, your, um, in your passion, you can become very arrogant, and you make others feel stupid. Oh, you, Jason, you didn't know that? I can't believe. I thought you called yourself a Christian. You didn't know that, that whatever, whatever, whatever. And we look down, we look down on people because we got so much passion for God. Oh, you had never felt the Spirit of God? You ain't never seen nobody get this, this that, and the other? You ain't never, you ain't never experienced, oh, really? You ain't experienced that? Well, you really ain't saved. And then also, we get so passionate, we get greedy. We get so greedy. We start really flowing in the Spirit. We're feeling God moving. And then we want it just for us. We just want to keep it in this little house right here. And we don't want nobody out there to experience it. We want all of it for us. But it's not meant for us. It's meant for us to give. 1 Samuel 8, 20 and 22, it says, We want you to be like the nations around us. Our kings will judge us and lead us into battle. So Samuel repeated to the Lord what the people um, had said. And the Lord replied, do, do as they say and give them a king. Then Samuel agreed and sent the people home. They wanted something. So we get to the place we get so so much so much passion in us. We feel like we own something, and then we want, then we start making our own decisions outside of God, outside of something else. We want I want this God. I want this God. We feel like we know better than God. Rather than depend upon God, we have our passion and tell God stuff that we want that's not in His will. You know, and so God's like, oh, y'all want a king? I'm speaking to Samuel, Samuel speaking to y'all. And y'all want a king. You're hearing directly from me. But if you want a king, you can have it. So beware, guys, because if you want something bad enough, sometimes God will get just like, you know what, that's fine. If that's what you want, then here, you can have it. And he'll show you why you never should have got it. We think that we deserve we deserve it, and we, and we don't. Because we've got to be careful because... Sin will take the pizzazz out of our power and leave us with pointless passion. Ask Samson. So we become so passionate, we feel invincible to sin, and we end up sinning, and it just pulls that, that passion and that power out of us. You can, you can know that your passion um, is, uh, isn't everybody else's passion. Because there are some churches in town that, that, you know, like 828 is a wonderful church with, um, with a passion for, for missions. They love going on mission trips. But we can't get mad that their passion is that. But our passion here, we do a lot of outreach. So we can't get mad that they ain't doing more outreach. And we can't get mad that they ain't doing we're, we're part of the family. We need everybody doing everything. We're not doing a whole lot of, of missions. So they can do the outreach. They can do the mission. We, we do, they're, not, they're not able to do a whole lot of, of, of outreach, so we're doing outreach. I'm not saying they don't do outreach, but I'm just saying, you know, you get my point. So we can't get to that. You know, just be somebody else, like whenever you get passionate about something, you can't expect everybody else to get passionate about it. You know, maybe, you, maybe you're passionate about, about sex trafficking. Maybe it's homelessness. Maybe it's politics. Maybe it's abortion. Maybe it's uh, domestic violence or mental health. But just because you have experienced a family member or something that dealt with one of those things, you can't go to somebody else and expect them to catch your passion for that. But when it comes to, to the passion for God, everybody should have, have that passion. But even though I go to Jason and expect him to have my passion and he doesn't, then that just means that God hasn't got him to that place yet. 
So I need to help him and keep being around him to help him with that passion. Jesus gave his life. John 3, 16. For God so gave the world, loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We need a passion for the lost like Jesus did. That we're, that we're able to sacrifice part of our life for him. I'm not saying that we've got to be sacrificed on a cross, but, but give up things in our life that we really like and maybe really, really enjoy for, for God. So we'll have more time to pray, more time to read the Bible, more time to go to church, more time to give. Give up, you quit, quit spending so much money on this so you have more money to give to the kingdom of God so we can do more things and pay more bills. Did you know 75% of presidents graduated in the lower half of the class? 75% of presidents. 50% of CEOs graduated with a C average. CEOs. So you know what the, you know what you know what the difference is? Passion. There's a lot of smart people who ain't got no passion. They don't do nothing. They got all the wisdom. But you give me somebody that has that, that may not be as smart or, or know a lot of stuff, but give me passion. Oh, I can work with that all day long. But someone who don't have passion but knows a lot, they're just going to get in your way and stop progress. One person with passion, I'll take one person with passion rather than 99 with interest. Every day. But that's 99. What can you do? They're just interested. They're not even serious about it. But that one person with passion will go out and tell everybody they know about it. Ask Mary Magdalene. She had the passion to go tell everybody in her whole town that this man touched me and showed me what, what the right way and forgave me for all my sins. So three passion boosts. What are three passion and passion boosts? That, 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 what does it boost in your life? Number one, passion stirs up power within you. Passion within you. The devil wants to weaken you, but passion for God stirs up power within you. See, see, and, and whatever you're passionate about, if you're around somebody, you're going to become passionate around them. So if you're around me on a regular basis, you're going to get passionate about God. You're going to get passionate about Kingdom Impact. You're going to get passionate about bacon. And you're going to get passionate about duck and donut coffee. Yeah. That's what you're going to be passionate about. And obviously you can get, be passionate about my family. But that's what you've got to understand. That, that if you're around me, that's what you're... But, but here's, a, here's the other thing. If, you're, if you know somebody and your best friend is a rock collector, I guarantee you got rocks in your house. Because they talk about it all the time. They're like, oh, my God, oh, my God. This is a beautiful rock. I love this rock. It's so cool, man. And I'm not talking about that mystical mess about, you know, jewels and, 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 and uh, crystals and all that junk. That's, that's of the devil and the satanic. But I'm talking about you just a rock collector. I collect, my daughter collects rocks. Guess what? I got rocks in my house. Gina's got a rock in her car right now, I guarantee you. Gina just gets them and puts them places. I'm like, okay, got a rock. She just, I don't know if she's a rock collector. I don't know. You know, that's why if you have a mom and dad that probably went out like love to hunt and fish, you probably hunt and fish. If you had a mom or dad that loved sports, you probably did some sports. You know, but, but the thing is, is that, 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 you know, in most cases, there are some that's not, but you know what I'm saying? But, what, but whatever you're passionate about, normally it kind of flows, flows that way. But so, so the thing is, is you should, never, you should never meet a sinner that's more passionate about sin than you are about Christ. Come on now. Somebody hear that. You should never meet a sinner that's more passionate about their sin than you are about Christ. 
So, if I pulled you up here on stage and I pulled a stranger off the street and I said, I want you to stand right here for 30 minutes and talk to them. Well, and then after 30 minutes, I want you to tell me what they're passionate about. What would people think that you were passionate about? I don't want you to say it out loud. I want you to think about it. God should be the first thing that they say. Every conversation you have, you need to figure out what God opened a door for. I'm not going to just like, you know, just do it on, but God just opened doors for me to bring Christ in there. When someone says, man, I'm going through a hard time. Hey, I'll be praying for you. Or hey, I went through that, and man, I, one day, one day, let me tell you about. I, I need to teach on, on te- how to testify one day about testimony. But you know, hey, one day, you know what? When I got, I got same kind of same kind of thing happened to me. Maybe one day I can share my testimony with you, and you just leave it, leave it alone. See, sometimes we try to vomit too much all at one time, and people ain't ready for it. And we tell them our whole entire story, and they're like, "Okay, that's just that was a little too much." TMI, you know. So, 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 hey. Someday, man, that happened to me, man. God really changed my life. I'm, I'm not the same anymore. Maybe one day I can share it with you. Okay, okay. And you just go on. See, it's, it's, it's more of a marathon than, than a little tiny sprint. You're not going to win everybody to Christ the first time you talk to them. You need to build relationships with them. But if, you're not, if you are not passionate about something, you will, if you are passionate about something, you will take risks that you don't normally take. Y'all know Danielle. She's back here. You know, she, she, she's quiet. You know, and she and she's a little frail look at times, you know, but I don't want to I bet she'll knock you out, but don't, don't you get her wrong. Okay. But the thing is she's quiet, but she's an animal lover. You know, so is Peyton. Peyton, you know, Peyton the Duncan, they're animal lovers. But here's the thing. I guarantee you though, even even though that that, that uh, Daniel's quiet, if she saw some kind of little cat or some kind of little dog or little deer caught in a trap, she would go and go even if even if even if it was, if she thought that maybe that dog might try to bite her, she's going to try to go free that animal from that trap because she cares so much about animals. Okay, we see people trapped in sin every day. Do we care enough about God to try to help them be untrapped? Do we care enough about them to see God? Let me let me get down here on my knees and help serve them and help them understand. I want them free, God. I don't want them there. Passion is contagious. But so was depression. Ed Young said, said um, I only hire tiger sharks, the go-getters. He said, but I had the best tiger shark I've ever had in my entire life. But every day in the office, he walked around depressed. He, 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 he was a go-getter, like crazy go-getter. I mean, he did everything. He was top-line go-getter. But he just walked around defeating depression. He said, and I fired him and his wife because they both were like that. He said, you may ask, why did you fire the two top? He said, because they were, dep- they were depressed. He said, and depression is, is, is contagious, and it was going to destroy and poison the whole staff, and I wasn't going to have that. I'd rather get rid of them and keep the joy of the Lord in the house. So if you're not passionate about God, then your friends are definitely not. If you're not passionate about kingdom impact, who's going to be, if, if people in this room are not passionate about our church, Y'all expect somebody out there that don't go to our church to be passionate about it? We got to be passionate about it. If y'all aren't passionate about giving your tithes and your offerings and extra stuff to help us do things, you think somebody? Well, we do have one person that does that cares. That they give us, you know, checks sometimes. But but if if we here in the house don't care, nobody else is gonna pay the bills. Because if you're passionate about something, you want to be a part of it. You know, if you if you had if your child was sick and was in the hospital for a month and you had to go to Duke and you didn't have the money to stay in the motel for a month, 
but you went to Ronald McDonald House and they accepted you. And if you've ever been there, it's incredible. You spend a night there, they feed you, they, they everything. They give you rooms, it's like a hotel, and, and it's incredible. So after a month of you spending in the Ronald McDonald House for free and them feeding you three meals a day, and you coming home, would you just keep it quiet about the Ronald McDonald House and not tell nobody? You'd be telling, man, let me tell you what Ronald McDonald House. And every time you go to McDonald's, you'd be putting quarters in that little, that little Ronald McDonald House thing. Because you're passionate about it. When people get together and two people have passion, when me and Kevin get together, y'all need to back off. Okay? Because the passion will shine through. The devil wants to pollute and dilute your passion with anger, bitterness, and unforgiveness. He wants to pervert and divert your, your passion with your, with your schedules and make it an unclear purpose of what, what you're trying to do. You have to guard against that. All pastors that have fallen morally, all these big pastors that fell into sin and, and had sex and affairs and stuff like that, what, what they did, they had passion, but the enemy perverted that passion and turned it into lust. If you're not careful and you don't stay connected with God and you're on fire for God with a passion and you drop your guard, the enemy will take that same passion and pervert it and make it something evil. Passion is many times eluded as a raging fire. Fire accurately, accurately describes the nature of passion. On one hand, a fire passion is used constructively, but if contained, it can help ignite other fires. On the other hand, it can also be used destructively to put out fires. So your fire with somebody else's fire can explode. But did you know that, that in, in the um, desert storm, Saddam Hussein put all these oil wells on fire? You know how they stopped it? They threw dynamite in there. And that dynamite, the explosion, sucked all the air out of the fire and killed it. So by you being passionate, you can ignite other people's fires. Or if you use your passion in the wrong way, you can drain and put out somebody's fire. I'm going to hurry through this. Pa uh, number two, passion stirs up love. Um, Revelations 2 and 2. I know uh, all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know that you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the, the claims of those who say that they are um, apostles but are not. You have discovered that they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. It stirs, whenever you get passionate, um, it stirs a, a, a passion up in you about God. And, and Mike, if you can go ahead and come. I'm going to have to speed up through this. Passion will stir. Passion will stir up self-discipline. Nobody had to tell Michael Jordan to go to the ball court and practice so you'll get better. Nobody had to tell Kobe Bryant or, 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 or Steph Curry. Steph Curry's out there an hour and a half before anybody even gets on the field in the morning on, on the court, and he's already shot like you know a thousand shots before anybody else even gets on the court. When you're truly passionate about something, nobody has to tell you you need to be in church. You need, to, you, need to, you need to give. You need to love. You need to serve. Nobody has to tell you, hey, we got some Nobody has to tell you. You know when it is. You don't have, nobody has, it does not, it should not be a burden to go to church, to read your Bible, to serve in, 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 a, in a ministry, to go to a small group, to witness at work, to help fundraise, to pray, to do outreach, to give. It shouldn't be a burden because you're passionate about God. If you're called to something, it's a joy to do. Psalms 69 and 9. Passion for your house has consumed me. And the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. God, those who insult you, it makes me mad. My passion for you is incredible. Matter of fact, Psalm 69 and 9 in the, in the Passion Translation says, My love for you has my heart on fire. My passion for your house 
consumes me. Nothing will turn me away from you, even though I endure all the insults of those who insult you. We're here to tell you today. Maybe you're here today, excuse me. And you want to say, Pastor Doug, I, I got passion, but I want more fire. But maybe you're here today and say, Pastor Doug, that's my first, this is my first call. I want my passion back. I've lost my passion. I'm free now. I'm flowing with things in this house, and I feel God's presence. I've lost my passion for God. I want my passion back. I can't, I can't change, and, and I, um, uh, I can't get the days back that I wasted. I can't, I can't get back the days that I lost. But I can start right now, and the passion in my life can burn, and I can be something for Christ. There's some people that's getting ready to get baptized here in a couple of minutes. About six people. And that's just going to set them on fire. And that's just going to just ignite something in them. Would you bow your hand and close your eyes? Is there anybody here that right now say, Pastor Doug, I don't have passion for God at all. I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And if I die today, I don't know that I go to heaven. But I want, I, I may not have the passion that you do, Pastor Doug, because you're crazy. But the thing is, is I want some passion. I want some fire for God. And I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I want to be saved. Would you raise your hand and say that, hey, I want to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior? You want to receive Christ? Anybody at all? Did I see a hand? Anybody at all? Well, everybody's still. Any hands? Anybody want to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior? Raise it up high so I can see it. Yes, I see your hand. Amen. I see your hand. Anybody else? Let's just pray together and ask God to come into our hearts. And if you pray this prayer and you're scared to raise your hand, be passionate and come up and tell me about it after service. If you just repeat after me, Dear Heavenly Father, come into my heart, forgive me for my sins. I want that passion. I want that fire. I believe you died on the cross for me and that you rose from the grave. I want to be a Christian. I want the excitement. I want the fire. I want the love. I want the unforgiveness. Come into my heart and make me clean and make me whole. I receive you now. You are my Lord. I am a Christian. I renounce the sin in my life. Forgive me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody give somebody praise.